Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Our longtime listeners will readily recall that since we began our podcasts, we've been arguing that crypto is not an investment. We've been arguing for pretty much two years now that crypto is a potential medium for transferring large amounts of cash B2B, company to company, and also a convenient way to pay certain bills or pay for merchandise, in addition to being an obvious pathway for many to avoid income taxes. Since we at UCLA have an annual tax conference, we stay very close to the taxation policies and compliance. Each year we have senior leaders of the Internal Revenue Service coming to UCLA from Washington discussing their many efforts and many new undertakings. For the past several years, they have initiated many programs to track crypto transactions, uh, particularly large ones, more than $10,000 anyway. I don't want to go into a lot of detail, but the information that we've had that we have passed on, certainly via this podcast, as well as our annual tax conferences, is beware of crypto. And now we are seeing the cryptocurrencies come under a lot of pressure. In fact, some would call it a bloodbath. There is obviously more to come, as reportedly a million investors in cryptocurrency, FTX being the primary mover in this area, have lost all their investment. Unfortunately, there will be more fallout. Cryptocurrencies have been pledged to non-bank lenders as collateral, so there are individuals requiring payment for margin calls. This will not affect many people, but it's basically another issue that has to do with the volatility and the really high risk of cryptocurrency. It certainly is going to bring on more regulation. And as we've argued in prior podcasts, government controls of the private crypto market can be expected pretty much at any time as the world's central banks want to, in many cases, China included, also in the United States with certain pilot tests. The global central banks who do control the amount of currency will likely strongly prefer having their own cryptocurrency and will not tolerate the fallout of the magnitude that we've seen in recent weeks and also won't tolerate the possibility of tax evasion. So this is going to be a very interesting area, but in the meantime, we repeat what we've been saying since we began our podcasts is please... Don't look at crypto as an investment class. It's really not. This podcast is not about crypto. We are going to comment on the winter forecasts for weather, which are changing. We're going to comment on some of the oil inventories, including diesel, which will have an impact on our inflation numbers. We'll summarize the interest rate picture, how the improvement in inflation is being reported, and why it's likely not going to continue downward. The fact that corporate earnings are heading down and the fact that job eliminations are heading up, overall, this presents a very challenging holiday environment. First of all, the winter forecasts for the United Kingdom have been changing month to month in favor of, unfortunately, a colder and colder than forecasted winter. 
This is going to have a big impact on the inventories of natural gas and other energy. Along with that, the diesel fuel inventories in Europe as well as the United States are moving toward critical historical lows, having a certain impact on transportation costs, which will impact the cost of goods sold, which will impact the retail prices, and will impact inflation over the winter months. Interest rate increases, as many know, have pretty much slammed the housing market, and that will have an impact on construction and employment in the spring. Many projects are being canceled. Possible exceptions are multifamily apartments in some of the major cities like Los Angeles, where there still is a housing shortage. But overall, the housing market, including multifamily across the United States, is going to be very difficult to anticipate for good health. Prices are heading pretty much straight down in a lot of the markets that witnessed straight up prices over the past couple of years. Importantly, high interest rates impact new investment return on investment. We've talked about net present value in prior podcasts, but as interest rates continue to go up, new projects, especially given the volatility in consumer demand for consumer projects, the volatility in the raw materials markets, which have been heading up strongly over the past year, but nevertheless are volatile will argue for even lower investment rates, which will argue for lower new job creation. All of these factors argue also against a low inflation environment, despite the efforts of the Federal Reserve and central bankers. Higher interest rates also will be impacting, as they are now, more and more corporate earnings. Corporate earnings forecasts are getting adjusted pretty much weekly downward for the next quarter and for next year. The one area that companies can save money pretty much immediately, not quite because of severance pay, but an area where companies can really save money and it's one of the top expenses of a company is in the compensation expense. And as an example, uh, Silicon Valley or the high-tech area, in the past four or five months, I count that 34,000 jobs have been cut, you know, by such companies as Amazon, and not even including the total amount of potential layoffs of Twitter. We were only counting about half of 7,500 in terms of announced layoffs, but the amounts are going up. The companies doing layoffs are going up. So overall, this is leading to a pretty negative holiday shopping season, which is lining up to be a major disappointment, particularly as credit card debt has been rapidly moving up this year and the supply chain issues of getting merchandise even into Amazon on a timely basis is very challenging. So overall, a hard landing seems to be the baseline expectation. And the Federal Reserve is fully expected, in my view, to continue its aggressive rate hike campaign, which is the most aggressive that they've undertaken in the past 40 years. So far, Wall Street investors don't seem to think that the Fed is going to continue on their course. And so far, we see that when we look at various segments of the markets, the cyclicals to defensives ratio in the stock market has really yet to really react even to the slowdown in the economy we've already seen over the past year or so. And a key index to kind of look at, if you have the interest of getting a little bit more of the details, is the ISM Manufacturing PMI, the Purchasing Manager Index. And it has continued to deteriorate, actually picked up 
momentum in recent months in terms of deterioration. So that could indicate that we have a great deal of pain in front of us with all that I mentioned with respect to the stock market. Corporate earnings have already declined this year, but much of the weakness is hidden by the exceptionally strong results from the energy sector. And if you remove the energy sector, the consensus earnings for the Standard & Poor's companies with energy taken out is a minus 12% in terms of earnings next year versus this year, and that earnings estimate is being reduced. However, it's generally reported that the S&P 500 index in total is reported and that only a 4 or 5% reduction is in the cards, but energy plays that big of an importance. So the overall market, which is far less the energy companies, is expected and is continued to be expecting lower and lower earnings estimates. And what does that mean? It means lower and lower stock prices, in my view. The Federal Reserve has a 54-year history since 1976 of rate increases to weaken the economy. And we've seen over the 54 years some very strong changes in the S&P 500. If we go back into the 1979-1982 period, I mentioned before that we had drops in the Standard & Poor's Index that were in the magnitude of 50% in the most volatile period. If we go back to the 2000-2001 period, again, we've had 50% or so drops in the Standard & Poor's Index on market corrections. In the uh, credit crisis 2008-2009, we had basically the same. And right now, I argue that even though we've had a 15 to 20% decline in a lot of the large capitalization stocks, much more is ahead of us and much more is ahead of us faster rather than slower. So the combination of a weak seasonal pattern, higher than expected shortages in energy inventories that will sort of be throughout the winter, including diesel fuel, and the temporary nature of the reprieve that we've had in the inflation numbers, which I'm going to get to in a couple of minutes, argues that we have some hard times ahead. That doesn't mean the stock market won't come back. And I've spoken about this before. It would just be a conservative view to protect capital and to move money out of areas where there have been significant profits over the past five to 10 years, move into cash and to await a better time to redeploy into the investment markets. And I include the bond market in this because the interest rates show every indication of continuing to move up. Business owners, as polled by the National Federation of Independent Business Surveys, the NFIB, continue to report the number of businesses with souring economic outlooks, the number of businesses that are experiencing negative revenue and negative economic conditions continue to go up. And if business owners continue to expect weaker economic growth, Interest rates are going up, so the ROIs on new projects are lower. And in a period of reducing personnel costs to protect their financial sustainability, that's not an area where we can expect owners to be investing and creating new jobs. Capital expenditures are usually lagged by about 12 months versus expectations of the economy. And right now, the capital expenditures based upon, again, uh, about a 50-year pattern that I'm looking at are the lowest they've been. They are at about the same low level as they were back in the 2008-2009 Great Recession. 
Again, employment is one of the highest costs to business profitability, and reductions in employment become initially concentrated in firms where higher prices reduce sales pretty quickly. Those are the highly competitive industries. We've seen that in retailing. We've seen that in auto dealerships. We've seen that in even a number of the tech companies I mentioned before. But that has every potential of creating a hard landing as firms reduce headcount increasingly rapidly as high wages, which we have been seeing this year, will erode earnings and corporate margins pretty quickly. While investors do not think a hard landing is coming, the risk to consumption due to indebtedness at record levels and surging rates to me suggest very differently. Economic recessions, as almost a truism, lead to earnings recessions. We previously discussed that estimated earnings for the Standard & Poor's 500 companies remain highly elevated, and such gives investors a false sense of security by assuming forward valuations that stocks are fairly priced. And in reality, many companies in these indices remain overvalued despite the price declines we've already seen this year. And as I mentioned before, earnings have not accounted for a potential hard landing. Economically, in 2019, earnings declined by more than 30%. And even the soft landing in 2015 saw earnings decline by more than 10% compared to the current estimates at that time. And right now, earnings estimates, including the energy companies, are expected to only be single-digit negative. And I would prepare for that number to be much higher as the months go on leading into 2023. Despite recent downward revisions, current estimates still exceed the historical 6% exponential growth trend. And that trend has contained earnings growth trends since 1950. Currently, earnings estimates exceed that trend by one of the most significant deviations ever. And that's saying in a few words that even with everything we've seen before, the expectations for earnings are still on a 70-year basis, the highest deviations we've seen, which means they have much further to fall. The only two previous periods with similar deviations when they did fall was the financial crisis and the dot-com bubble. More significant overall in economics is that earnings estimates do not survive economic hard landings. As an economic hard landing becomes evident, earnings estimates drop quickly, which may be one of the reasons the stock market is capable of dropping so quickly. So earnings estimates are being made pretty much now through the end of December for 2023. And uh, this is in an environment where the Composite Economic Index, the EOCI, is already signaling that earnings will decline further as the economy slows. The deeper the recession that's perceived, the deeper the earnings decline that will be perceived, the faster that stock prices can drop. The whole point of the Fed hiking rates is to slow economic growth, thereby reducing inflation. As such, the risk of a recession rises as higher rates curtail economic activity. Unfortunately, with the economy slowing, additional tightening could exacerbate the risk of a recession, and therein is the risk we're facing from now to the end of the year. Earnings remain correlated to economic growth. Earnings do decline as rate hikes continue. Such is especially the case in the more aggressive rate hike campaigns, like what we're seeing now. So overall, the market prices have likely not taken into account the earnings enough to accommodate a further stock price decline. 
couple of summary comments to keep your eye on. The November Fed minutes will be released the day before Thanksgiving. And with luck, this podcast will be posted the day before Thanksgiving. The setup seems to be, and again, the re- this recording is made on Sunday, November 20th. So the setup seems to be that the markets are expecting a 50 basis point increase in the December Fed meeting. And there is a tendency for the markets to be rallying a bit as we go into the seasonal conditions. However, I would keep in mind that we're facing a holiday shortened trading week. And this week, that will probably be passed by the time this is posted. I apologize. But this week will probably not be short on news. The massive news, which we can see on Wednesday at 2 p.m., will be the release of the November Fed minutes. These minutes will likely reverse the equity market celebration following the lower-than-expected October Consumer Price Index report as the Fed has a different view and is already pushing back hard. Since the release of that CPI report that was on November 10th, Fed speak has been crystal clear. Slower rate hikes do not mean a lower, ultimate higher rate. And one better-than-average CPI report isn't going to change the path of monetary policy. The November Federal Market Open Market Committee statement indicated the likelihood of a slower pace of rate hikes coming, while the Federal Open Market Committee press conference indicated the terminal rate or the highest rate was likely to be higher than previously expected. Since the Open Market Committee meeting, a strong case has been laid by the Open Market Committee members for the Fed Fund's rate to head over 5%, potentially going as high as 5.25% or higher next year. If this message is correctly delivered in the minutes, then it seems more likely than not the equity market rally since October may not only pause but would reverse. We'll see. And maybe we'll see the day that the Fed meets and this podcast is released. Just in case the market doesn't respond appropriately to these minutes, the Fed is taking no chances heading into the market committee meeting at this time, and they're going to ensure that there'll be no mix-ups from a potential article drop heading into the December meeting. There will be no repeat of the October version of the dovish pivot, in my view. This time, Jay Powell will take things into his own hands and talk for an hour at the Brookings Institute on November 30th, starting at 1.30 Eastern Time. This talk is even more critical because it will come one day before the official market committee blackout period that heads into the December Federal Open Market Committee meeting. It will be Powell's chance to make sure the market does not veer off course over these two weeks. A quick comment on inflation. I've looked at the inflation changes by major category for September of 21, December, March of 22, June of 22, and October of 22. It's pretty obvious that the consumer price index has dropped in that most recent report I mentioned only because of energy. The new and used vehicle inflation has in the index stayed about the same, as has medical care. Housing has actually substantially gone up, as we expected, because housing is a lagging indicator. It takes a while to filter through the indices. The food inflation has actually gone down in the quarter from record highs, but that's been totally made up. It's gone down slightly. But the real 
drop has been in energy and energy is the area in my view that has the potential of ramping up in price substantially not only before the end of this calendar year but into 2023 for reasons we've mentioned in past podcasts so we're skating on thin ice if we are putting our chips on the bet that inflation is coming down over a long period of time the federal reserve has a target of two percent right now we're running at over seven percent well over seven percent with the likelihood that we're going to be going back up again as energy prices natural gas as well as oil going back up during the winter months so we're in a a very dangerous position i don't think i would have a lot of confidence that structurally inflation is heading down and we have a new trend down i think just the opposite we have the likelihood that inflation is going to not be going down much less down to three percent or even two percent anytime in the next year the economists i tend to follow expect inflation to be four to five percent next year and that's an optimistic forecast so we're getting really nowhere near the fed target which tells me interest rates are going to remain high pretty much through all of next year and i think with that point i will wish you either happy thanksgiving or hopefully that you had a happy thanksgiving in the meantime be careful and don't get caught in a very, very short-term stock market rally or don't get caught with the holiday euphoria that has a traditional seasonal pattern of stocks and bonds going up, that may not happen this year. Take care and best holiday regards. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornaden. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.